And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Barbara DeLong has been a seeker of the mysteries of spirituality and a practitioner for more than a half a century, of at least what she will admit to. And during the time, she has become an international known podcasting host, author, artist, lecturer, ordained minister as well, and documentarian. She painted the Cosmic Deck of Initiation, which is a hand-painted deck of Mandela cards to be used for private divination and spiritual growth, and also wrote the handbook that goes with that deck. In this year, she co-authored Before Roswell, The Secret History of UFOs with Ken Godsward. Her website is a teaching site combining personal information and a plethora of spiritual information and insight. Barbara, welcome to the program. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, too. What took you so long to write this book? <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. It, it, Ken and I both did a lot of work on it, but mostly it was Patrick Cook's work that we worked from, and he was my late husband. Oh, well, we miss him. He was a great guest on our program. I know, I know. I sat up many hours with him while he was talking to you. Um what happened was when Patrick passed away, I couldn't keep my website and his wife's website going. So I checked to make sure that everything from his website was in any of his three books. And the only two sections that were not, um, I put onto my website, uh, the UFO section and the giant section. And Ken was writing a, a book about Before Roswell, and he, he stumbled across my website, and it was, it was goose heaven for him. And so he called and asked if he could use the material, and I said, sure, go ahead. And then he called back and said, why don't we do it together? And so uh, we did, and a lot of the material that is in the book is material that Patrick had, had gathered. So it was, it was really a lot of fun for me. And uh, both Ken and I added material to it, and it came together so rapidly and so beautifully. It was, it was, it was an exciting adventure and took me back to my roots because I got started into this field uh, because I saw a UFO and it landed on my campus when I was in college in the <clears throat> 60s. And so uh, it was kind of going back to source for me and returning to a a field that I've been fascinated in for obviously decades. Now, how far back do you go back investigating past UFO cases? Well, uh, actually, I think the the last date that we have in the book is uh, 270,000 years BCE. Wow. Obviously, that, that... obviously, it was not printed material, but... But it was uh, in the Sumerian kings list, and, and in the Sumerian kings list, their kings uh, reigned in the sky. So they had to fly into the sky to reign. And you go all the way back up to uh, a year before the Roswell episode. No, to Roswell. Just fantastic. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was an amazing adventure to me because uh, I, I was, there are over 300 um, instances that we have we have identified but it was it, it it is a it is a wonderful book because it's all peaceful and it's calm and it, it does show the difference between how ufo sightings were treated and and 
how people reacted to them before Roswell and then after Roswell, how, how fear started to come in and conspiracy and concealing and hiding information so that, so that there, is, there is an amazing shift in public perception and how the government treats it. What do you think the moment was for that, Barbara? Was it Roswell or was it a little before that? It was probably before that because uh, certainly there were crashed UFOs that, that Russia had and Germany had and we had. But it brought it into public, um, public knowledge, you know, and it was sort of like these were physical things that we've seen in the sky and we really didn't know what they were, but they were, isn't it cool, let's sit and watch them. And then after that, it and you know the the movies and everything else started to demonize the UFOs. And to be perfectly honest, I truly believe that the UFOs were here before we were. So in a way, we are the invaders and we are the aliens. And and so I, I get very upset when when people take a negative attitude towards them because the governments have have well our government anyhow in our country has made it into something to fear. And if it were anything to fear, um, we would have been fearing it a long time ago. I think you're absolutely right. And what is your personal perception, your personal views? I'm sure you have them by now (laughs) on just what, what these things are. Well, I think that they were and actually are now uh, well, right now in the sky, you don't know who owns what. They don't have name tags on. Everybody's got, you know, mature, uh, vehicles that they're trying to fly the same way that, that the UFOs fly. Um, in my personal belief system, they were originally, for the most part, drones that were being sent to, to check out the planet. And after, after the Rendlesham Forest incident... I truly believe that some of them have travel are time travelers, you know, just checking us out and seeing what we're doing and how we're doing. So uh, I, and as far as aliens go, I, I don't think anybody's an alien. We all come from the same source. And I think calling humanity and, and every living thing around the family of man is inappropriate. We are the children of creation. Are you a believer in God, Barbara? Absolutely. There is a there is absolutely a source of creation. Yes. And I would I guess the beans, the E.T. beans are just looking for that same thing we are, aren't they? I would absolutely. Yeah. Oh, totally agree. I think the thing is, everybody's religions have become so corporate, corporately oriented that they've taken the spiritual essence away and they've created, a you know, an old man in the sky and that's not true. God is not a person. Oh, well, I agree with that. Let's go through some of these UFO cases after Roswell. Uh, <laughs> just buzz through them really quickly. Operation Paperclip. Tell us more about that. Operation Paperclip um, were the people that that uh, that came <clears throat> after the after the after after the war. Wait a minute. Let me check. After here. World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, there have been a lot of them, haven't there been? Too many. Um, Paperclip were the people that that we, um, quote-unquote, rescued and brought over to this country. And uh, they're the ones that helped to develop the atom bomb. 
And some of the cases that, that we're going to talk about tonight, people have never heard them before. This will be a first time. Uh, you said that uh, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, wrote some kind of top-secret memo. What was that about? Well, he was talking, it was a special, it was to um, the Special Committee on Non-Terrestrial Science and Technology, obviously saying that there were non-terrestrials out there and, and you know, sort of trying to come to grips with the reality that our planet, planet is not the only one harboring intelligent uh, life beings. So, And that was in 1944. Yeah. Amazing. Now, back in 42, we've heard the story of the Battle of Los Angeles, that we were shooting at something because people could hear pings when the missiles or bullets or whatever we were blasting away at were hitting these things, but nothing happened. Some well, actually, it didn't actually hit them. Um, along, well, many years ago, Patrick and I had a man who had actually been at the Battle of Los Angeles. He's been a child. And he watched the whole thing from his bedroom window. And he said that he was watching it, and while the, the planes and, and the batteries on shore were, were shooting at it, they exploded before they actually hit the ship. And the shrapnel came down, and there, were, there was collateral damage. And people were hurt, and I, I believe there were even a few casualties, um, that, that it was our the shrapnel from our armaments that were coming down and hurting people. And the next day, he and his friends all went out to the beach and collected the shrapnel for the Army. And they got, they got paid for every piece of shrapnel they brought back. That was amazing. That was 1942, where a lot of people thought the Japanese might have been doing something. Yeah, they thought, they thought initially that it was incoming Japanese fighters. And, and it, was, it was just, you know, one... One one large um, ship, from what this man, you know, told us about, and it, it moved very slowly up the coast. It wasn't bothering anybody. It it, it was very reminiscent of Phoenix Lights, uh, the 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 ship that moved up uh, California's coast that Lynn Katai did such That's a wonderful right. job. That's right, nineteen ninety seven episode. Yeah, very reminiscent of that. Lots of pilots during World War II saw what they thought were Foo Fighters, little tiny discs flying all over the place. You investigated that. Uh, well, everybody investigated it. We thought it was Japanese or, or the Russians or the Germans, and they thought it was us. And when they finally compared notes, they found out that it wasn't either. Wow. I've got a whole list of these uh, episodes. I'm going to skip a few of them for time purposes, but... Uh, in 1917, you say that there was a human that shot down a UFO. Tell us about that. <laughs> that's one of my favorite, favorite. That's, that's the one thing in the book that I swear is going to someday um, be a, a, a question on, on a quiz show someplace. Um, it, was, it was, let's see, wait a minute. I want to get it right here. It was 1927, and it was. 19, it was 1917. 17, 17, sorry. And it was um, Baron Manfred von Rick Rick it's German. The German but pilot, he, right? Yeah, and he was known as the Red Baron. And he, mm -hmm. uh, he, had, he had shot down 80 enemy planes for the Germans during World War One, 
but he's the first human in history to gun down an alien spaceship. And um, what's fascinating is that there was another pilot who saw, who saw the same thing, and um, you know they they reported it. He they he he immediately shot it down. It crashed by the woods, and um, two pilots got out and ran into the woods. They were never seen again. And, um, you know, they reported it, and nobody said anything or did anything. They were probably told to keep quiet. And um, they thought that perhaps it might have been some military um, reconnaissance of some sort by the U.S., but obviously it wasn't. And that's one of the things that he is very famous for, and yet... Um, never given credit for. No, that's a story that's kind of been buried. Another story, 1917, is something I've talked about quite often, Barbara, and that is Fatima in Portugal where the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but everybody says that the sun came down, and I've always said it was a UFO that they saw. Yep. (laughs) I do believe it was, and there were, um, gosh, there were fifty to 100,000 people there, and it was raining, apparently, when all of this happened. And, um, you know, reporters and, and all, it was, it was a large silver object. And they, they also had the, um, they called them flowers or snow, unusual snow, but it sounded like it was um, very much like um, uh, other things that have happened as far as things dropping from the sky. And um, it's similar to angel hair that is, you know, known to be present at, at a lot of UFO cases. And it, it was just, it was amazing um, how the fact, I, I truly believe you're right. I think it was a UFO. Yep. And, and yet when you get to the, to the sighting and everything, it, it was pouring rain and then it stopped raining and everybody was dry. So there was something very mystical and magical happening there. And, you know, was it, was it the Blessed Mother? Was it um, an egregore that everybody expected to see the Blessed Mother, and so that's what they what they manifested? I, I don't know. I, I think in cases like this, the, the element of an egregore has to be considered as well. In 1915, a case I had never heard about before until I saw your book, in Turkey, a regiment of British Army members, 800 men, simply yeah. disappeared. Where did they go? <laughs> well, now there, there was a fog. There was a strange fog, and they were attempting to take a hill um, at uh, Zulvia Bay near Gallipoli. There were 22 witnesses. The regiment of over 800 men marched into a strange fog of clouds uh, hovering over the hill, and they were never seen again. And, you know, the British thought that they were had been taken prisoner, and the Turks just denied any knowledge of the, the existence at all. And no sign of the regiment has ever been found. 800 men. I mean... I know. We're not talking about a handful of guys that disappear. 800. My God. I want to know who the 22 were that didn't go. The smart ones. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> What's your what's your best guess on that one, Barbara? What a story! Um, I think the fog opened a portal to another dimension, and they marched into another dimension. Now that's interesting. Like they walked through a portal or something. 
Yeah, I think it was a portal. And they could never find their way back? Well, I think they walked into another dimension that had a physical reality similar to ours. They they probably were, I, I think they went into a dimension that was very similar to the Earth plane right now, almost like on, a, on, a, on another timeline, almost. And I, I think that's what happened. I don't think they were taken into a ship and whisked off someplace. I think they, they became interdimensional. The late Jim Mars talks about the 1897 Aurora, Texas UFO crash. That was a fascinating one. Well, the, the part of it that I loved so much was the fact that when the ship crashed, I hope we're talking about the same one. Um, I'm sure we are. When the ship crashed and burned, uh, the people in the town went out to, to check it out, and they found one, one body, and it was a very small person. And they took care of him. They uh, collected him, and, and they put him in a coffin, and they buried him, and they had a funeral. And our report comes from a newspaper article of a, of a woman who was um, a teenager at the time, she didn't see the crash. She, her mother didn't let her see the crash, but her mother let her go to the funeral for the um, for the for the pilot. And I was I was so touched by by that 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 it was amazing. And then many many years later, um, the government. Um, she was then uh, let's see. She was a 90 year old woman in 73. And um, the government wanted to exhume the body, and the townspeople would not re- release the uh, the location of it because they wanted him to rest in peace. Uh, I wonder where it is right now. What do you think? Oh, I think it's still there. I don't think they'll let anybody touch it. They, you know, the people have been very protective of it for this long. I, I can't see them giving up the location. Barbara, where do people get your book before Roswell? Um, it's on Amazon. And uh, that's the only, well, that's the only place I know it is. Um, but it's on Amazon, and I'll tell you, it's the more I read in the book, and, and you know, I've read it, I've read through it maybe 30, 40 times. And and I and I have to also point out that on my website, barbaradulung.com, there's probably three times as many articles on UFOs. It's amazing. When we come back after the break, Barbara, we're going to talk more about some UFO cases that go way, way back. And then we'll take calls with Barbara next hour. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Barbara DeLong. We're talking about her work before Roswell, the secret history of UFOs. We'll take calls with Barbara next hour here on Coast to Coast. Going back to these past UFOs, Barbara, the Leonardo da Vinci, you said, painted pictures of flying vehicles with an alien or two in several of his paintings. Tell us about that. Absolutely. If you look at some of his paintings, you'll see the UFOs. I mean, with with uh, they 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 look like little cars with people in them, but you know they're they're in the sky. And <clears throat> some of some of the um, people in crowds do have very very similar uh, looks as as if they could have been a gray. And, and so it's, it's, it's fascinating. But if you really want to take a look at what aliens look like today, um, one of the instances that, that is in the book, but I did not give it to you on your list, um, 
it's 10,000 years, 10,000 years BC? Yeah, 10,000 years BCE in China, the Dropa, the name given to visitors from Sirius, came down from the clouds with their air gliders. Now, that sounds impressive, but it's even more impressive when you look at 1938, uh, an archaeologist, a Chinese archaeologist, was going through caves and everything, looking for places to take his, you know, looking for archaeological stuff. And he found 716 dropa stones um, in, in the cave. Wow. And when they, they, they're circular stones that look like um, records, actually. And they even have this, the hole in the center. And in the grooves, because it has grooves just like, um, just like records do, they found that there were um, glyphs. And when they were able to, to decipher them, it spoke of how the uh, the ship their ship had um, had had crashed, and you know these these beings you know um, came from um, I'm not sure it told told where they came from, but but the glyph spoke of how the the ship had crashed, and and that they were unable to repair it. They were going to have to stay and. And merge in with the with the people who were there at the time, and all of that sounds fascinating. But but when you um, look even further, you will find in that same region in Tibet, there is a um, a village called the Dropa, and they are diminutive people, huh. very very small, and they have different. Their eyes are different. They're a different shape, and their blue eyes are a different color. And that tribe exists to this day. Now, in 1840 A.D. in Lyon, France, you talk about a bishop saving the lives of four people descending from an airship. What is that all about? It, it was that was so cool. Um, apparently, at that time, um, there there was a law which is boggles my mind that there was a law like this, but there was a law that it was against that um, it was, they had a, I, I guess a call, a, a, a law against creatures that travel in aerial ships. And not only was the law, they, they were stoning the people and the bishop saved them and it, it, the law was ratified by at least three French kings, King Pippin the, the Short, Charlemagne and Louis the First. 584 B.C., Ezekiel's Wheel, a great story. Oh, geez, yeah, that's in the Bible, um, the wheel in the wheel. And there was another instance that Ezekiel uh, traveled into the clouds, too. So you know, the Bible has plenty mentions of, of events that, that certainly could be considered, um, well, paranormal and or of UFO, certainly Moses with with the um, pillar of light and, and you know, leading, that's for, what, 40 years. So the Bible has them. I mean, it's the, the fact that these, um, th these people have been in our lives for so long just boggles the mind. And, it really you know, does. And, and you stop and you think, why, why haven't they tried to enter 
um, act with this? Why, have, why are they watching? Because I, I think they're more watching than anything else. And, you know, I, I could be wrong, but, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me that, that they're, they're out there and, um, you know, Mount, Mount Sinai, Moses had the, the uh, pillar of light and everything. So it's, it, it, throughout all of history, they've been there and, and they've never attacked, really. I mean, I, I think that there are probably a couple of times that, they were attacked and they defended themselves, but it was a one-on-one -on -one type thing. It was never a ship coming and shooting up a town or anything like that. The Vimanas go way, way back, and they had wars in the air, but they never brought it to Earth. Good point. Uh, the work of the late Zechariah Sitchin echoes some of the stories you've got about the Sumerians. Oh, yeah. I that's, mean, that's, that's how they came down and seated us. Yeah, 10,200 BCE. The Anunnaki, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you can go 45,000 BCE with China rock carvings. Um, what what were they? What were they all about? Uh, the the uh, China rock carvings have depictions of, of saucers. And, <clears throat> and that's the time of the Neanderthals. So, so my feeling is actually that that we weren't a, a descendant of the Neanderthals, but we were more of some, we, we were planted on the planet, is what I'm trying to say. Barbara, let's jump ahead to now. Do you think there's a great deception underway with UFOs? I think there's an amazing deception underway. And sooner or later, it's going to come out. I mean, you got the secret space program going too. And if the secret space program is made no, a secret no longer than all of the all of the stuff that we've done up to this point in time with rocket ships that, you know is a waste of taxpayers money and we're living in a, a a reality that's totally a lie your late husband wrote a book called the greatest deception the, the history of the bible ufo connection tell us a little bit more about that that was a great book and uh, he was a guest on our program at least a couple times i remember he, yeah he uh, well he was a biblical theologian and he was blessed with um a photographic memory what got him interested in the ufo situation he was studying uh with he he was he was a contractor and he was working uh, on, a, on a church with, with another man, and they were talking religion, and, and the other guy you know, sent him to a couple of places in the Bible where obviously there were UFOs, and that's what started him. And then, of course, he couldn't stop. He, he went through the Bible over and over again looking for um, situations, and the entire book on The Greatest Deception is, is every instance that he found in the Bible that related to UFOs. What did you think of his theories when he was telling you these things? Um, <clears throat> well, he came from a very um, religious uh, background. And, and while I don't come from a... Re I, I, certainly, I'm not, you know, I would call myself almost an independent, just kind of like, uh, I am politically, sure. but um, I, I, I lean more to the, the mystical, the spiritual, and um, 
you know, otherworldliness and other dimensions. And Patrick kept it right to the, you know, to the to the word. You know, if it says it in the Bible, then that's it. And and I I would always prefer to take it a little bit further and deeper. So uh, we had a lovely relationship, and 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 I think we both learned from each other. He kept, I think. Most of my education on the Bible comes from Patrick. Uh, that's great. And what did he mean by the greatest deception? He even thought that in the Bible, that that what was written was not what was meant. That it was, you know, that that old saying of, you know, for eyes to see and ears to hear. And and it was like when people got to a level of awareness where they understood exactly what was happening, that it would change the way that they looked at life itself. And what do you think of that? I believe that. I, I think that that we have been dumbed down and conditioned to follow like, like sheep. He called them the sheeple, us the sheeple. And, and that we have stopped thinking for ourselves and, and we haven't we haven't broken away from from the the herd, so to speak, and started to open our minds to what we're capable of. And certainly, the human mind is is capable of so much more than uh, than we than we give it credit for. We often think, you know, I can't do that. When the reality is, we can do that and more. The Bible says that. Jesus said that. All this and more will you do. And yet. We tend to, to not try to go there. We tend to try to stay within the confines of what we're being taught. And we're, we're being, it's not only biblically, but in schools as well. Our schools aren't teaching the truth anymore. They're teaching somebody else's truth. But certainly anybody who really understands history will know that they're not actually te- teaching history anymore. Do you think he accomplished what he wanted to, to do and set out for before he died? Yeah, absolutely. He, he. I think it was you know, three weeks before he passed away that he was filmed um, for several episodes of um, Ancient Aliens, and uh, yeah. we we had stuff in the car so he could <clears throat> he could sort of take a treatment and go back to to filming. And and he said to me, he said, you know, um, I I you know my work here is done and. I said, well, you know, I'll add more to your list if you stay a little longer. Yeah, that's right. Don't jump out now. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just getting to be fun. How old was uh, he, Barbara? Oh, my goodness. He was 60-something. That's young. Yeah. That's young. 70, was he 70? Gosh, I Yeah, he... he how, long, how long were you two married? Uh, we were married a year and a half. That's all? Yeah. And, oh, I uh, thought it was much longer than that. Well, it felt longer. Um, and, and I mean that in a good way. In a way. good way. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Philip Coppins and um, Kathleen McGowan had the same thing. They both met on a radio show, and they got married and, and did a lot of work together, and then Philip died suddenly uh, of cancer, and Patrick died suddenly of cancer as well. Unexpected. Really, totally. Unexpected. Yeah. So do you think the aliens seeded us 
like Zechariah Sitchin believed? I think that I, I don't. I, I I'm not sure. I would call it seated. I think that we originally are from another planet, maybe another dimension, and that we were we were planted here. I think we were we were seated. We were seated here, and there may have been some DNA work done, but but I I don't think that we originated here at all. If they did a study a while back, and they they took the DNA, the human DNA, all the way back to its origin, and they found that the origin of the human DNA, you you and me, is older than the planet is. Now what? What can you say about that? We came from another planet. <laughs> Interesting. Possibly even another um, dimension. You know, there's a, a lot of talk about about third dimension and fourth dimension and fifth dimension. We may have come from another dimension, planted on this planet <clears throat> to to ascend to whatever uh, level we're supposed to ascend to, and then probably will be put on another planet in another frequency at some point in time down the down the line. Tell us about your mandala cards. They were fun. Um, well, are they like tarot cards? No, 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 no. Um, quite a number of years ago, I because I do do readings for people and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't like any of the. Uh, and I and I and I was trained in the spiritualist church, so um, my my I'm coming from that kind of a direction. I took a look at all the cards out there, and all I and and at the time, there was just the Rider Waite and the Aquarian deck. And I said there has to be a spiritual deck. There has to be a deck, not just for procrastination, but 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 it, for somebody to learn from. And I had been painting personal mandalas for people for a number of years, and I thought, here is the tool I can use, and I'll create my own deck of cards, and it won't be standard tarot. Um, it came in a series of, of three. It was the physical, um, the physical, the physicality of us, the cosmic laws, the universal uh, law, the cosmic energies, and the universal laws. Uh, the um, the astrological signs, and I threw in some um, some wild cards, and and the point of it all was to and and the first eleven dealt with the chakras, but I couldn't pronounce them, so I renamed them because it was my deck. That's your and, deck. That's right. And, and I I painted them all, and from the first painting to the publication of the deck took exactly nine months. Good for you. Barbara, we're going to come back in a moment and take calls with you. The name of the book, Before Roswell, jump aboard with a question or two.